It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Welcome back in. Hour number two of the program here on Wednesday morning. And coming up in the next hour, we're going to be joined briefly by Jacqueline Nunez. She is the owner of The Conjuring House in Harrisville, Rhode Island. We're going to talk with her about the fire that happened in the barn and get an update on the damage that was done and what we can expect. And also, just to talk a little bit about that that funny, humorous connection with the fire Department uh, license plate there that was six six six, and because there is a you know an alleged connection to satanic worship, which is not true, but it's you know a rumor that was started because of the movie The Conjuring. Uh, of course, they've had to deal with people questioning whether or not that has anything to do with the fire. But Jacqueline's going to come on and explain it all uh, coming up in the next hour. Also, as I mentioned as we were going into the news break, it is snowing. It's very light, but it's enough that it has uh, coated the cars out in the parking lot here. And it's it's melting as soon as it hits the ground. It's not supposed to accumulate to anything. I did see a weather report this morning that said out of all the areas of southeastern Massachusetts and Rhode Island that could have an impact from this, and, and by impact I mean anything at all, they said New Bedford could get a coating to an inch, but that most other places would get no accumulation at all. So I don't know that we'll get an inch, but I'm just passing on to you what I read. So uh, if you are heading out and you see the snow, it felt so much yesterday like it was ready to snow though, didn't it? I went over to Lolly's to, to set up for Chris's broadcast today and I left here at about noon. And when I left here... It seemed, it didn't seem like snow weather. Uh, I, I can't remember how bright and sunny that it was, but I, I remember not thinking anything about it. And then when I was in Lolly's, I had some lunch. The Club Lolly, very good. But uh, I, was, I was having some lunch and, and setting up at the same time. And as I'm sitting there eating at the counter, a customer comes in and says, oh, it feels like snow out there. I was like, huh? It didn't feel like that. I mean, I know they said that it might snow overnight, but I think it felt like it. And when I walked outside, it had that feel. You know, the the skies were grayer. There was kind of that pressure in the air. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. Because I am not a fan of snow. It actually makes me like angry. But oh, I'm doing okay with this so far. But I was like, oh, here we go. I was hoping we could get through another winter like last year where there was no snow. I mean, there was some. I shouldn't say there was no snow. There was some. But no significant accumulation. And this will not be that either. Now watch Mother Nature say, well, I'm just going to prove you wrong, Tim. 
508-996-0500. We were talking about the, the wind turbine that is out in Clark's Cove. There is video at WBSM.com and on the app and on our Facebook page. But the video is embedded in the story regarding the comments that Senator Montigny made on the radio with Chris McCarthy yesterday. And also uh, in a statement that uh, Ward 6 Councilor Ryan Pereira sent over to me yesterday after I uh, just requested, you know, any thoughts that he may have. It seems like, again, the issue here isn't what that wind turbine is. It's just a little research project. That's all that it is. Not a big deal. However, it's the process that has people concerned. It's the fact that the Port Authority issued the mooring permit, and that's all that needed to be done for this, and that there was no word put out, and that there was no... Um, information provided that could avoid speculation. And that's what Senator Montigny talked about with Chris yesterday was people saw this, they got upset, they reached out to their local politicians and their local politicians really couldn't tell them much. But that if they had gotten to the point where, well, if they had uh, had the foresight, rather, to, to put something out ahead of time, even if they had just told, you know, just tell Councillor Pereira. He's the ward councillor. Just tell him, hey, this is going to be going on. If you get phone calls, this is what it's about. And I, I do think it was a, a matter of the mayor was apparently on vacation. A member of his communication staff was sick. Otherwise, I think we would have gotten a press release about this because this is, when you think about it, it is a feather in the cap for New Bedford to say this company chose to come here to do its research. And it, it shows a different side of the wind industry. It shows the side of it's a science as much as it is a business. And we want to have a strong foothold in the science. Because that can pay dividends. If there are companies that are going to be investing in the research for this, those scientists could be coming from this area. They could be moving to this area. That's a good positive development. Because people are, are concerned about the businesses that are coming in and making money. And then if it doesn't work, well, whatever. We'll just move on to something else. But if the science shows up here, that's sustainable. But again, nothing was released. No information provided. And like I've said before, you know, I, I see the press releases that come in from the city. I read them. I don't know. We don't always write them. We don't always bring them to you on air because quite frankly, a lot of them are just things that are, you can read about it on the city's website. You can read about it on the city's social media. Not everything relegates to the point, especially when you, you know, your new staffs are smaller at places like here in the New Bedford Light and Standard Times. So you've got to choose where you put your time and energy. And I'm not picking on this as, as, something that I think is unimportant, but if you've got a story that you've got to work on that particular day, putting something up about, say, you know, Mayor Mitchell having office hours, open office hours 
is not something necessarily that you're going to have the time to, to post up and it isn't going to get the response from anybody. We have all the metrics for how our stories do so we know what people care about. And so information like that, you know, it's best distributed by the city. So not every press release makes it to, to a story, but I still open them up and read them. And I may have missed one, but it doesn't seem like I did because nobody else knew about it either. Senator Montigny has a staff that is going to read those emails and going to talk to the senator about it. Councilor Pereira would know if there was a press release. Representative Cabral would know. He also has a staff. Representative Markey, same thing. So I'm fairly confident that I didn't miss this one. 508-996-0500. Speaking of the city, and I had mentioned this earlier, and I also said, you know, there's not a lot of reporters left at places like the Standard Times, but Frank Mulligan does a great job over there. And he has a story regarding the State Civil Service Commission's decision to overturn the city's decision in 2022 to fire former Deputy Fire Chief Paul Coderre. So if you remember, Deputy Chief Coderre went out on injury. He had issues with his back. He had multiple back surgeries. And he had to take an injury leave of absence. The city, and particularly particularly the mayor, suspected that this might not be on the up and up. And according to Frank Mulligan's reporting, now we received a whole press release about this when it came out. The mayor came on my show, because back then I was on 9 to noon and he would come on my show, came on and talked about the process of how this went down. But they basically, the, basically what happened was, According to the Standard Times story, the mayor saw a photo, uh, some photos on Cordero's Facebook page and said, huh, this guy's out on injury, but he's out fishing and he's on vacation. Let's look more into this. Now, apparently those photos, at least according to the testimony that was given to the State Civil Service Commission, those photos were taken previously before he had gone out on injury. But that was enough to pique Mayor Mitchell's interest. And the city ended up hiring a private detective to surveil former Deputy Fire Chief Paul Coderre. And that private investigator caught on video Coderre loading a smoker onto the back of a pickup truck and then unloading it later on. Now, the way this was told to us, and we were provided the video, we saw the video. I can't remember if we saw the video or the stills, but we we were provided visual evidence of Kader doing this. But as the testimony to the Civil Service Commission pointed out, it was done under great strain. He had assistance loading it onto the truck. 
Uh, you can tell by the way that he was walking that it wasn't, you know, he was physically worn out by it. And, and I do think there's a difference between not being able to do something for work that doesn't mean that you are unable to do other things in your off time. It just means you can't perform the duties of your job. My father-in-law was a firefighter, eventually a chief, and he would have injuries that would keep him from being able to work, but it didn't mean he couldn't still do things around the house. It just meant that if he had gone on the job and was called upon to save somebody's life, he might not be able to do it. So there's a difference between Paul Coderre not, you know, being able to load a smoker onto the back of his truck and then run into a burning building, grab somebody, have to put them over his shoulders and carry them out of a fire in a way that would be safe for both him and the person he was rescuing. But the State Civil Service Commission agreed with Coderre and overturned his firing. Now, what does that mean? Well, it basically means that he's now going to be able to get his pension and all that kind of stuff. All the, you know, it's all clerical at this point because he's staying retired. But the mayor has said... He gave a statement where he said that the city will appeal this decision. And I'm just going to give you his statement here. Uh, Let me find it here. This is what he told the Standard Times. Former acting chief Paul, former acting fire chief Paul Coderre was caught on video on separate occasions lifting a 176 pound smoker grill and removing camping equipment from his truck while he was on disability leave from his job for a reportedly for a purportedly injured back. He defended the city's ta- defrauded the city's taxpayers. Sorry, my eyes are crossing. As the leader of the New Bedford Fire Department, he violated the trust of the firefighters under his charge. Out of an evident reluctance to render him ineligible for a city pension, the Civil Service Commission went out of its way to discount this unambiguous evidence. Its decision is manifestly wrong, and the city intends to appeal it. So we'll follow along with that more, but if you want to call in on that, 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Good morning. How you doing? How are you? All right. How are you? Uh, you know, I understand what you're saying, but I'll tell you, there is. Why don't they just give him another job? Well, so apparently that was part of this discussion here. Is they said, um, you know, he never did re- re- return to to duty, whether it be full or modified. And Coderre testified to the commission that he would have been willing to return to light duty. So I don't know, was this that this, the, the mayor just didn't want him to come back at all? I, mean, I don't know. You you see, you know, I, I remember I was following the case of him, but, and, you know, obviously I wasn't there and I'm not a part of anything, but there's so much of that that goes on with uh, correctional officers, police officers. Um, I know a few myself in my lifetime that, you know, they could do the job. It's, you know, they they got three or four years left to retire. They got a great big old pension coming, and they pack it in, and, hey, my back hurts. Oh, I got in a fight with an inmate. Oh, I, I you know, I had to bring this guy down, and, um, you know, I got to twitch him. Put him on just duty to have him do something that's, you know, that they can make their pay. But 
it's they call it the million dollar lottery when you do that because you get for the rest of your life you're getting paid you know uh, I don't know whatever whatever your pension is or your disability is but you you know they've got people in the rodeos lift yeah, weight, lifting weight competitions I mean water skiing motorcycle riding I mean just you know I know that everybody's not like that but there's a lot of it well, and sometimes it is important to note that sometimes they retire because the injury is expected to be long-term but not permanent. So, you know, somebody might have three years of where they're struggling a little bit, and then after those three years they have a couple more surgeries and then everything's fine, but they didn't, you know, they couldn't go on disability from that job for three years while they were waiting for it. So, you know, sometimes I think it's fair that people um, can go on to do other things after they've retired from a job for a physical reason, but it's another thing when it's so quickly after and then they're questioning whether or not that reasoning is even legitimate. Yep. But he did have Obviously, three. He had three back surgeries. So I mean, there definitely yeah, was a no, problem. Like I said, like I said, you know, I'm not, you know, but uh, that's. I think that's why they do what they do. Uh, you you get you just get so much so many people that's doing that. Um, they just they just pack it in on on some frivolous BS. Uh, my background stuff, and I just don't understand why they still find a different position for him. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't either. I mean, you you would think that there could be something, you know, um, administrative that he could have been doing, but I, I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of how the department how works a lot, either. A lot of a lot of police officers, what they'll do is if it's something happens, it's uh, stressed. Once you say that word stress, you know. I can't do this because I'm stressed out. You get a, uh, any kind of psychologist or anybody that backs you up, you're done too. And so you can do whatever you want, but you can't do this job because it, it's well, too stressful. If a, if a police officer is stressed and they're legitimately stressed, I, w I want them to be able to take time off from the job for sure. I got to just hold you there because I got to take a break. But uh, thank you for the call. And if you want to call in, 508-996-0500. Really quickly before I take the break, our friend over at Southeastern Mass Alerts, at Metro underscore notify. Multiple vehicle crash in Plymouth, Route 3 southbound near exit 3, left lane closed for extended time. So if you're heading out in that way, just be aware of that. All right, we'll be back in just a few moments. We will get to you right after the news. We are just loaded with commercials today, which is a good thing. It means that uh, the advertisers know that you are listening. But right now, we've got to go into the newsroom with Ariel Dorsey. Fierce battles are being reported between Israel and Hamas in southern Gaza. Witness reports say Israeli warplanes are bombing targets across the heavily populated coast of Gaza in some of the heaviest fighting since the war began two months ago. Tanks are also rolling into southern Gaza where Israeli troops reportedly are battling pa Palestinian militants. Alabama Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville lifted his months-long hold on hundreds of military promotions Tuesday. The Senate then confirmed some 425 military nominees yesterday. Tuberville made the holds to protest the Pentagon's policy to reimburse service members who travel out of state seeking an abortion. Doctors say a new syndrome that's been identified in some newborn infants might be related to fentanyl exposure. The recently published findings show that at least 10 babies who were born to mothers who had used fentanyl have been identified with distinctive birth defects, including cleft palate and small heads. 
Scientists with the European Union say 2023 will be the warmest year on record. The EU's Copernicus Climate Change Service says the global mean temperature was the highest level on record for the first 11 months of this year. The U.S. women's national soccer team is closing out its season with a 2-1 to win over China. China held an early lead Tuesday night in Texas, but the U.S. rallied late. Team USA ends the season undefeated with 14 wins and 4 draws. The opening bell rings this morning after stocks closed mixed on Tuesday. The Dow lost 80 points and the S&P 500 fell 2 points, while the Nasdaq gained 44 points. And the Oregon Zoo is celebrating the birth of a baby rhinoceros. On Monday night, 11-year-old Eastern Black Rhino Josie gave birth to a baby. Zoo staff says the first time mom and her new arrival are doing well. They're in a behind-the-scenes maternity den. Josie and her baby will be out of view while they bond. Black rhinos are critically endangered species. In sports, after coming from behind to beat the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Bruins are hosting a division rival. The Black and Gold take on the Buffalo Sabres tomorrow night at TD Garden. The Celtics begin a five-game homestand Friday night when they host the New York Knicks at TD Garden. Friday night's battle is the third of five meetings between the Celtics and Knicks during the regular season. And the Celtics have earned a victory through each of the first two games. And according to ESPN, Patriots' Ramondre Stevenson suffered a high ankle sprain and is expected to miss a few weeks. Stevenson sustained the injury during the first quarter of the game against the Chargers after being hip-dropped tackled. The Patriots will turn to Ezekiel Elliott, who was in his first season in Foxborough as the leader in the backfield. New England visits the Pittsburgh Steelers for Thursday night football at Acrisure Stadium. Now let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6. A lot of clouds will start off your Wednesday. There's even a slight chance of a snow shower this morning, mainly in easternmost areas of Massachusetts, but little to no accumulation is expected. Look for a high today of 37. For tonight, clearing and pretty cold with a low near 20 degrees. Every Thursday, mostly sunny, still chilly with a high near 38. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Kelly Bates on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's news talk station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. Welcome back in. If you are thinking about getting yourself some breakfast, maybe you looked outside and you say, what's that white stuff on the ground? Eh, I'm not ready for this. I'm going to go out and treat myself to some breakfast. Head on over to Just Another Phoenix Restaurant. It's located on Fawns Corner Road in North Dartmouth. And what is great about Just Another Phoenix is it's not just another breakfast place. They have innovative, creative ideas there that you won't find on the menu anywhere else. And in fact, I've noticed a lot of other places are starting to pick up on some of the things that they do at Just Another Phoenix because they're that innovative with the different flavors that they come up with for things. They've been putting out all kinds of festive holiday flavor specials, things like eggnog French toast, uh, things like cranberry nut pancakes, gingerbread pancakes. Those are just some of the holiday specials they've had. But of course, they always have all of your breakfast favorites. And what's great, too, about Just Another Phoenix is if you don't have time in your day to sit down and have a full breakfast, 
you want to have a full breakfast, but you just don't have time to go sit down or cook it or go sit in a restaurant or any of that, you can get it through their drive through window. You can pull right up and order pancakes, omelets, French toast, anything that's on the menu, you can get through their drive through window. And that's what sets them apart, really, is the convenience of that. On a day like today, where you don't even want to have to run into the restaurant to pick up a takeout order, you don't have to get out of the car. It's perfect. But if you do have the time, go in, sit down, hang out with them over there. It's like one big family and they will make you feel welcome, whether you sit at a table or a booth or whether you sit at the counter right there where the cook is cooking all the food on the grill right in front of you. Where else can you sit and talk to the cook as he is making your breakfast and watch how he works that grill? And an experienced breakfast cook that can master that grill is a sight to see. So check it out. Just another Phoenix restaurant, Fonz Corner Road in North Dartmouth. All right, 508-996-0500. That's our number if you want to call in and get involved in the discussion. We've been talking about a number of different topics today. Uh, Of course, the windmill, the wind turbine, rather, that was installed in Clark's Cove, which is going to be there for about 60 days or so, depending on the weather, depending on if they collect all the data that they need. But it won't be there long. It's not in the way of anything. You can see the video in the story at WBSM.com and on the app, the story about Senator Montigny and Councilor Pereira's comments regarding how this all went down. In that story, I embedded the video from our Facebook page. You can also see it on our Facebook page. I went Facebook Live while I was down there at the jetty and um, just wanted to show people who might not make it down there to give them a visual representation of what it's all about. So you can check that out and see for yourself. It's not in anybody's way. There's not a lot of boating going on over there right now, so it's not really disrupting marine traffic. Not that it would anyway, because it's it's only a 19-foot by 19-foot platform that it's on. So it's it's not blocking anybody's view. It's only 39 feet high at its peak when the windmill blade is at the 12 o'clock position. So it's just a small little piece of research equipment gathering data out in Clark's Cove. The problem is how it all came to be. That at least here, we found out about it because of the diligence of Tom Kennedy calling in to tell us about it, telling us about a conversation he had with somebody about it, and then going down there Monday morning to see what was happening and reporting back to us. Then you had, I saw that Carlos Felix went down for New Bedford Live. New Bedford Guide had somebody down. I think Steve Richard was down for New Bedford Guide. going down. So if not for the media being proactive about it, you wouldn't have even known about it. Now, you know, I'll toot our horn a little bit. We were the first to report what was actually going on. But I think that there's a need for more information to be put out from the beginning. And you know what? You know what would have happened? If they had put out a press release, you know what would have happened if they had informed the media about what was happening? Nobody would have cared. New Bedford Guide probably would have gone down and and done a video because they do. That's what they do. They're, They're heavy on video content and it makes a great visual. So I'm sure they would have gone down and they would have filmed something. But nobody would have been all up in arms about it. You still would have had the anti-wind turbine people that would have complained, but nobody would have had all of these speculation, 
all the speculation about what was going on. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You are on WBSM, and thank you for your patience. Hey, Tim. How you doing? Good. How are you? Not bad. Um, uh, two topics real quick, but uh, on, on the, the uh, chief, fire chief, do they, when, when you go on disability, do they have like a, a prescribed sheet that says you can't lift over 50 pounds? You can't, you know, is there something, a guideline that, you know, when you go on to disability from the department, not from the doctor, that says what, or do they just take the doctor's uh, notifications and so on? I'm not I'm sure, based on the information that was provided to us originally when, when the city... Uh, first went went after him for this, uh, and in the reporting today by Frank Mulligan, it doesn't say anything about that. It does say that there were doctors um, that did sign off on on his injury being legitimate. That's that's the only thing that I can see about any kind of uh, information that was provided. I don't see anything about what the particular you know union rules were or the department rules were. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of curious about. Is like so the human body is kind of interesting because you could do you know you can get an injury, but you can still do a lot of different things. And I'm not saying that he did or didn't try to scam the system, but I think that, you know, if the guide, if the, if the department doesn't have a guideline for disability and saying, well, you can't lift more than 25 pounds, you can't, whatever, then, then it's open and open-ended because if he could physically do something, he's in recovery, let's say, you know, and how do they know? Um, the other thing is, um, you know, I've been listening to the callers the last uh, few days about the wind turbine and, um, and they're all, you know, there's a lot of people that are concerned but you got a guy that calls in all the time and tries to conflate what their concerns are with the fact they want to drill offshore oil. I've never heard one person in three or four days of this discussion say, oh, well, I want to kill the wind turbine so I can drill offshore. Um, that I, I don't know where that guy's coming up with that, but none of the people, I think some real legitimate concerns from people, but I haven't heard anyone say that, so I don't know why he keeps bringing it up. Well, I think his, his concern is more about the, um, the fact that people are, claiming that this is killing the whales and that the windmills are what's what's leading to these whale deaths and that they're not looking at the the oil um, um, spills that are happening and the effect that those are happening they're, they're gonna gloss yeah, over that I've never heard anyone say oh well it's killing whales but then but I oh, I have. drill offshore I haven't heard I haven't heard the connection that's why I'm saying why why does he keep saying these people are, well, you know, uh, hypocrites? And well, I don't hear the hypocrite part. Cause, well, because his point is that they're not being critical of the oil industry while they're being critical of the wind industry. Why, sh why should they? They're, they're focused on one topic, and that's what I just keep hearing, which is fine. But I, I think that this, the calls are legitimate, asking good questions. And I don't know, it's just weird to me, but whatever. People and I, I, I do think that most of this concern that we're hearing about is not really whether how really about how people feel about wind energy it's how they feel yeah. about you know transparency yeah and there's always like a fear of change in a lot of things and uh i i, I totally get where they're at i think this is totally mishandled but uh I, it's it's sketchy to me whether the wind industry is really a you know what what is it going to budge the needle five percent in the u.s uh, energy needs or ten percent i don't know i mean it's good that it we can budge the needle somewhere but it's not the end-all, be-all, but whatever. All right. Well, uh, thank Still you. Offshore. There you go. <laughs> yeah, true. All right. Thank you for the call. Right. You have a good Thanks. day. Bye. And uh, we do have to take a break here. And I got somebody calling on the VIP line, so I'm going to see who that is. But right now, we got to take a break. We'll be back in just a few.
songs I bothered to learn how to play on bass during the two years of, of bass lessons that I took. And I really just learned the riff. I probably couldn't play the whole song. It's it's not... Uh, my I guess my brain just isn't wired to play music. As much as I wanted to learn, I took lessons more for just a therapeutic half hour out of the house each week. Because I never practiced. That's probably my biggest problem. Kids, if you take up an instrument... Make sure you practice, especially if you made your parents spend a lot of money on that. I did not. I bought my stuff at yard sales and flea markets and pawn shops. The most expensive thing I ever bought was I paid $100 for an amp. Actually, I think it was 80 but it was a, a Fender, Fender Bassman amp that I was like, oh, I'm buying this not only for playing the bass, but also for I use it as a PA system for when I go out and do presentations and lectures and everything. And it's bailed me out many times. So well worth the investment. But again, kids practice. When I was in eighth, sixth grade, I wanted to learn how to play saxophone. And my parents bought me the saxophone on the monthly payment plan. And I went to the first couple of months of lessons in school and then stopped going and never played. They were not happy. Anyway, 508-996-0500. We've been talking about a variety of different topics this morning. We're going to continue on with that in the next hour. However, at the top of the next hour, we will be joined by Jacqueline Nunez. She is the owner of The Conjuring House. She's going to talk with us about that fire they had in the barn and dispel some of the rumors that are going on online about it regarding, you know, the the supposed paranormal or, or satanic origins of that fire. Uh, because of, you know, we, we did have that story with the... 666 on the fire truck license plate, but that's just, you know, just a funny coincidence. It's not trying to say that there was anything going on, but she'll join us to talk to us about that. No, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about owning a historic property and things like when a fire breaks out, you know, you are the caretaker of this, this place that's almost 300 years old. And you know, what are you going to do? You can't, you, you, you can't walk on eggshells all the time around it, but uh, I'm glad that everything worked out. Okay. All right, I do have to take one final break of this hour. Uh, when we come back on the other side, we'll try to squeeze in a call or two before we run out of time in the hour. But again, we'll have plenty of time to talk with you in the next hour. Also, Chris McCarthy will be able to talk with you this morning on South Coast Now, even though he's going to be broadcasting from Lolly's Cafe in Dartmouth. If you want to go hang out with him, uh, you'll be able to, when you walk in, you'll see him over in the corner by the Christmas tree. And he's going to have a, a microphone over there. So just like you can call into the show, and share your thoughts with Chris. You can also go over to Lolly's and jump on the microphone with him. But he'll also take your phone calls uh, and he'll get to try some of the delicious food. He's heard me go to enough restaurants over the years doing these broadcasts. I'm glad he can get out there and he can uh, experience what it's like to just be fed throughout the course of your show. 
It's a, it's a fun experience, and you can go down there and join them. And also, we'll have a special Seize the Deal for you at 11 a.m. $50 in gift certificates to Lollies for just 25 bucks. That goes live at 11 a.m. at SeizeTheDeal.com. Right now, though, let me take that final break. We'll be right back. Jim. All right, we're going to be going into the news in just a moment. But uh, before we do that, I want to remind you that WBSM is once again teaming up with the United Way of Greater New Bedford. And we are creating a mini miracle for a deserving South Coast family. The Lima family of New Bedford needs your help. Mom Celsia cares for her two children, 17-year-old Ciliani and 5-year-old Derek. Both of her children are afflicted with rare disorders. We are trying to give this family a mini miracle by helping them take care of some bills and giving the kids some much-deserved gifts. So you can visit the mini miracle page at WBSM.com to learn more about how you can help the Lima family have a very Merry Christmas this year by donating to the United Way's Mini Miracle Program. Mini Miracle on WBSM is made possible by Fall River Municipal Credit Union, Cottage Street Motors, Bright Dents, Puerto de Sedad, New England Sewer and Drain, and Freestones City Grill. All right, so that will wrap it up for this hour. When we come back on the other side, we will be joined.